Hello car fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States and around the world. It's time for the most famous words in motorsport. Drivers, start your engine! Fired up when you're ready. This week on Speedway Sounds, I'll play a report from Matt McMurray, driver for the Algarve Pro Racing Team in the European Le Mans Series, who is a UC Irvine engineering student, and he will explain how the last month has been for him throughout the summer from Portugal. I'll also read a report from Samantha Tan, who is a driver in the Pirelli World Challenge and a UC Irvine economics student. But the main feature for today is my interviews from last weekend's Motor Massive Motorsport Social and uh, Global Time Attack as well. All that and more on this week on Speedway Sounds. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the second show in the summer quarter of Speedway Sounds, the third series of this show. Let's get right to it. Matt McMurray is currently testing the Algarve Pro Racing Ligier LMP2 car that competes in the European Le Mans series this year. He is currently in Portugal testing that car and he has just come from competing with that car at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and he also made a visit to the United States last month to compete in the 6 Hours of the Glen at Watkins Glen, New York in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So let's hear how he's doing. Listeners, this is Matt McMurray reporting to you from Albufeira, Portugal. Last time I was on the show was just before Le Mans and just before finals. So right after that recording, I went straight to Le Mans, where we did not have the best race, but it was still a good race. We, we finished, which is, of course, always good at a race like Le Mans. And, of course, we all had an amazing time because it's Le Mans with the parade and scrutineering and the whole race itself. During the race, though, we had two mechanical failures, one about two hours into the race and another around midnight. Both times it sent us all the way to the back of the field. So we didn't really have a great chance after those, but we still clawed our way back up to 33rd, and then after a penalty to someone else, we ended up in 32nd, which is not terrible considering how far off we were because of those mechanicals. The bright sides of Le Mans were that I was the fastest driver in our car all weekend and I was also one of the two fastest Ligier drivers along with uh, Philippe Albuquerque. So that's a new, uh, it's like a new high for me because generally there's at least there's one guy that's the pro driver and then I'm usually trying to match his time but this time I was the pro driver and I was qualifying for us and I was fighting with Philippe, who's an ex-F1 driver, and uh, so that was really cool. Then after Le Mans, I had about a week at home in Phoenix, and then went back to another race in Watkins Glen for the six hours of the Glen. My first race back in IMSA for a long time. It was tough because one of our other drivers on Park Place Motorsports, Jörg Bergmeister, wasn't able to come because of a family issue. Last I heard, everything's looking good with him, but he wasn't able to come to that race, which was tough for two reasons. Jorg is an excellent driver, so it, it, it stinks to not have him there with us. And he's also really good at setup. We had a good setup, but Jorg would help us get it that little extra bit. It was cool, though, because some of my family got to come to the race, which doesn't happen that often. My older brother, who actually hasn't been to one of my car races ever um he got to come to this race and he loved it so that was really fun and my mom also got to come as well the race the bop still not really in porsche's favor but we still had a good race we finished eighth in gtd which is great because it's park place motorsports best finish at watkins glen it's also just a fun race because watkins glen is a great track and every time I get to go there, I'm excited just because it's, it's so fun and so fast. And then from Watkins Glen, I went straight to Portugal. I went uh, New York to Detroit where I, I met up with my girlfriend. And then we went to Paris, to Lisbon, to Faro, to Albuquerque, which is where we are now. We'll be staying here until late August. 
because Algarve Pro Racing is like 10 minutes down the road from where we're staying. And so I'll be able to work with them all summer long. So we moved in here and then went to a test in Portimao with Algarve. So that was a fun test because we got to start out in uh, some little two-liter cars, Renault two-liters. And that was fun because I haven't been in a car like that since like 2012 or 13. And they're really fun. It's the perfect car for learning the track because you're not going fast enough that if you spin or something, it's like a big deal. So then that was uh, the night we got there. Then the next day, we started testing with the new LMP2. It's a difficult track. It's very technical, and it's very, very bumpy, like Sebring front straightaway bumpy. For most of the weekend, we were working on making the car nicer over the bumps because it's actually like hard to drive in some of the, especially in the first corner because it's so bumpy, you could hardly see where you're going. And we were also working on traction control because if your car doesn't go over the bumps quite right, when you hit a bump and you're trying to get on the gas, you can unload the car and then you just get wheel spin uh, because there's no weight pushing down on the tires to keep them gripped up. But it was a good test. It was uh, pretty warm out. And because it's a, it's a pretty physical track, there's not a lot of straightaways to take a break on. It's going to be a very physical track and it's going to be a hard race. Because it, it might be even warmer when we go there and for the last round of the ELMS. So after Portimao, we drove back to Abu Fiera for a couple of days off. And then went to Belgium for a test in Spa. That was the first time I've been to Spa. An amazing track. It's hard to believe that we almost got two full days of testing with no rain. It's like crazy for Belgium and especially for Spa. Uh, we just had at like 5.30 on the second day of testing, it started pouring. But that lasted for like 30 minutes and it was the end of the day anyway, so it didn't really matter. Spa is an awesome track. It's very, very technical as well, which makes it difficult to learn. Thankfully, my teammate Andrea Pizzatola has been there probably at least like 10 or 12 times so he had a lot of a lot of knowledge to help me learn the track quickly and it's also helpful being able to compare to him with the, the data and video all weekend. It was another good test. We made some decent progress with our setup, figured out things that don't work and also a couple of things that did work, so a, pretty, a couple of pretty significant changes. Another good thing is I did Eau Rouge flat multiple times, which I was very excited about. <laughs> like the the whole weekend, I would check the data just to double check: did, did I actually do it flat that time? I thought I did, but did I actually? And I I did. Um, it it's not easy flat like every lap, but you know on on newer tires and when you're going for it, it, it it's flat and it's really really cool when it is. Now uh, we're back in Portugal. We're just kind of taking it easy for a couple days before going to Austria for the four-hour race at the Red Bull Ring in the European Le Mans series. So that should be a good track for Algarve Pro in Elysee because there's it's not like Monza or Le Mans where there's miles and miles of straights. <laughs> it should also be good for us because I, I think I've heard that it's kind of tough on tire degradation, which is another place where the Ligiers are better than the Oricas and Delars. And so that's about all I have to report on. Have a great day, and uh, hopefully I'll be back on to update everyone again soon. Thank you so much, Matt McMurray, for sending that report all the way from Portugal before this weekend's race at the Red Bull Ring in Austria for the European Le Mans Series. For part two of this week's Anteaters and Racing Update, where I bring you news from two of UCI's racing drivers, part two is from Samantha Tan Racing. Samantha Tan is, of course, an economic student, second year student here at UC Irvine, and she is racing in the Pirelli World Challenge. Her last race was at the end of last month at Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, popularly known as Road America. So I'm going to read off a press release a podium and a victory for ST Racing at Road America. Released June 27th, ST Racing started out the weekend with a kickoff party at track on Thursday afternoon at Road America, where series officials and other team members from the Pirelli World Challenge 
drop by for some oysters and drinks. Saturday was a perfect mix of sun and clouds for race one that featured the GTS and touring car categories. Samantha Tan had a solid run in her number 38 BMW M235iR. She moved up to 6th place early in the race, but fell back to 7th halfway through the race to avoid an incident from contact between two other cars. Tan was all smiles after the race. She said, I had a really good start, said the 19-year-old Toronto driver, and it was going really well, but I cooked my tires too early and kept messing up on the really long straights. But it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of close racing, and I had a great time. Tan's teammate is Nick Whitmer of Montreal, Canada, and he scored a podium finish in his number 91 BMW M235iR, running from 4th to 2nd place on the very last lap. We had the craziest battles side-by-side side with the Porsche in a lot of corners, and no touching, said Whitmer. We lost a bit of tires. We were trying to keep up, but the Porsches are very fast here and much lighter. Sunday's race was a much different story. The chilly 66-degree weather may have had something to do with cars needing more time to bring up the t tire temps and many laps being run under full-course yellow, with an already delayed start due to a crash at the standing start with Cameron Castle's GTS car and Cody Ellsworth's Porsche Touring car. On the second restart, on lap 12, the two BMW M235IRs of Nick Whitmer and Stefan Sajic of Zima Motorsports were battling for first place when Samantha Tan made hard contact with the wall at Turn 11, better known as the kink at Road America's iconic track. Tan was taken to medical to be examined. The race was red flagged and checkered on lap 13. Whitmer claimed the victory for ST Racing, and Tan was released from the medical center with a right sprain angle shortly after the race. This weekend's rounds 9 and 10 were strictly invitational races, and therefore no points were accumulated. Here's some driver quotes. Samantha Tan said, The start was really good for me. I avoided the little incident at the start. I was in sixth place and it was going really well. The handling of the car was not as good as yesterday, but my times were improving, and I was faster than yesterday. But I went a little too fast into the kink, and I went two wheels off. When I got back on track, it just snapped and hit the wall. I want to thank my sponsors, GPI and Motul, and my team, of course. Her teammate Nick Whitmer said, We had a lot of full-course yellows in race two. The track conditions were different from yesterday. It was a bit colder today. Stefan Sajic and I had a good battle going back and forth fighting for first place. On the second restart, I grabbed first place and saw Samantha in the wall when I went through the kink. I was happy to take the win, but more importantly, I was really relieved that she was not seriously hurt. Again, I need to thank our sponsors, GPI, Fuse Lenses, and Motul for their support. Be sure to join them for the Pirelli World Challenge's next official race on August 11th through 13th at the Grand Prix of Utah Motorsports Complex. Thanks to Samantha Tan Racing for providing me with that report. And that concludes this week's Anteaters and Racing update. Now to the main feature of today's show, talking all about the Motor Massive Motorsports Social at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. And first, I'll play you some of the interviews from the drivers at the Global Time Attack competition. And you'll hear them give insight about their race cars, how the cars were handling the track on that Sunday. You'll hear just how much work these drivers have put into their race cars. So first up, an interview with Modi Almagor. My name is Moti Almagor. I'm the owner of Blackbird Fabworks, and we're running today with Global Time Attack. Nice to meet you. So tell me about your race car. Well, this race car uh, started its life as a pretty much bone stock Mazda Miata and uh, we've changed a lot of things in the car around the aero and the suspension and really made it go very quick around corner. Also got the, the best big brake kit available for this car, the stop deck. A lot of what was done here is custom. Currently running a stock engine, so it's only about 130 horsepower, so mm -hmm. not much going on uh, down the straight, but makes up for uh, the lack of straightaway speed by really high cornering speeds. So I noticed you just got off the racetrack from a, from a session, a time attack session, and the first thing I noticed you did was you used an instrument and uh, was it assessing tire temperatures or what were you up to? Yeah, we're using a pyrometer to be able to get the data from the tires, what the tires want us to do with the car. You can, you can measure the delta of the temperatures between the outer side of the tire 
the middle and then the inner side of the tire and then kind of find out what the tire is telling you by the temperature spread and then play with your tire pressures accordingly and also change your suspension settings if that's required. Mm -hmm. How's the car handling today? Uh, a little oversteering today. Been changing some uh, settings on the shocks. So uh, I expected to deal a little bit with suspension settings and, and I have been. So it started the morning as a complete oversteering machine, just drifting every corner. And then as the day progresses and we change the suspension settings, it becomes a much nicer car to drive. So right now it's still a little oversteer, but a much easier car to drive than it was in the morning during the first session. How long have you been a time attack driver? Ah, for a long time. <laughs> quite quite some time. Been doing time trials and time attack for probably more than 10 years now. Very cool, very cool. And how, how long with the Global Time Attack series? I uh, started running with Global Time Attack in 2014, inconsistently, on and off, just because we built another car at Blackbird Fabworks, which we're currently down with, because we're doing actually a Ferrari 360 Modena engine really? swap wow. into it. Yeah, if you uh, look online on Blackbird Fabworks and the name of the project is Morpheus. So Google that and you will find a bunch of information about the car. It's been reviewed on Moto IQ and a couple other uh, places that, uh, you know, great, great sources for Time Attack guys to take a look at stuff. Nice. And what do you like so much about Time Attack racing? It's much easier on the car in terms of contact and such. I've done wheel to wheel a little bit just seen too much rubbing I, you know this is a nice car i i mean if i bend it because i hit a wall oh well you know that's a part of the game but just because someone wants to win a five dollar trophy more than me and they have to bend my car for me i just not into that uh that's one of the things the other thing is time attack is very open in terms of what you're allowed to do with the car and especially uh, in this car it's unlimited rear wheel drive and we're allowed to do a lot of things with it and so uh, this car has active aero there's so many things about this car that are completely out of the blue in terms of what we've done with it uh, you know it has uh, relocated pickup points uh, for the suspension uh, with extended travel there's, there's just a lot of things that we're allowed to do with it and if you like you know, thinking out of the box and Time Attack is really where it's at uh, with wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. There's just so much restriction uh, in all the classes but the very top which, you know, really budget-wise becomes a, a serious issue. It's a great way to have fun tinkering with the car and still, you know, be able to go out, compete, have fun with it. And Global Time Attack is really like a, like a big family so it's, it's kind of nice. Awesome, thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much to Modi Almagor for doing that interview with me. I went to his pit area in the garage first because I was really fascinated by the car. There's a picture of it on my Facebook page, and you also find it, of course, on the Blackbird Fabworks Facebook page, as he was saying. But this car is truly an engineering marvel, and it is an experimental machine, as he was saying. And that, as a mechanical engineering student, to me, that is extremely fascinating and I look forward to hearing how that project will continue on over the year. For more insight on Global Time Attack as a competition, there's no better person to speak with than the director of Global Time Attack, Jason Deanhart. So here is my interview with him. What's your name? Jason Deanhart. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. In comparison with standard motorsports where you have all the cars on track at the same time once they take the green flag they're all racing against each other what's the difference between that and global time attack biggest difference and easiest way to put it is that the time attack cars are on track at the same time they're not competing for corners they're not competing for a checker they're on track at the same time but they're all competing for the fastest lap that they could lay down on that track within a given set period of time which we call a session so you get anywhere from four to six sessions a day a session is usually 15 minutes long so you've got five or so chances at 15 minutes a pop to go out there and run the fastest lap time that you could possibly put down in your car on that particular track during that moment so it's a put up or shut up type situation. There's a time limit. You only have so many times. You're out on track with other cars that are running similar times as you. We put them out there via a speed index. Mm -hmm. So 
if you watch a lot of F1 racing or something like that and you see what we're doing, a lot of people say, oh, well, they're just qualifying. They're qualifying over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Just like in F1, when they're qualifying, they're trying to lay down the fastest lap that they could lay down in order to put them in the top of the pole position. So it's very similar here, where the pole position is first place, second place, third place, fourth place overall for the day. So again, they're racing for fastest track time, fastest lap times. All right, so tell me about the different car classes. Yeah, we've got a uh, enthusiast yeah. class, uh, a street class, a limited class, an unlimited class, and we just introduced something called Procom. So the first four that I mentioned, enthusiast, street, limited, unlimited, starting with enthusiast, as the name indicates, it's the uh, most entry-level class for the car. Also as a driver, no pro drivers allowed, no one that does this for a living allowed, no instructors allowed to compete in the enthusiast class. The car has to be registered and insured in the state that you live in or where uh, the events are taking, competitions taking place at. Once you move up in the classes to straight, to limited, and then unlimited, you're able to go wilder with the car in terms of sticky, wider tires, more aero, more interior and weight saving deletions, you know, and that's going to throw you up. What Pro Comp is, is that we've had a lot of interest from non-traditional time attack cars. Now, another thing that makes time attack racing different and makes global time attack different is that all of these cars had to have started out as a mass production based vehicle with a VIN number. So no Porsche GT Cup cars, no special brand new Ford Mustang race cars factory prepped, uh, none of those. Now, they wanted to come out and compete and see how they fare against these cars that started off as grocery getters, some of them. Four more wheels, and it's not a go-kart, you qualify for the World Cup class. So we want to involve anybody. You want to bring out a rally car, you want to bring out an old F1 retired car, uh, you want to bring out a Porsche GT Cup car and see how it does. That's the class for you, and it's fun for us to compare what these regular time attack mass production-based vehicles, how they fare against these factory prep race yeah. cars. Very interesting, very interesting. Tell me about the annual schedule. How many events are you guys at? Uh, I believe this year we have seven. Usually falls in between six and eight. Uh, we have a couple big annual events that we do every year. One of them is uh, out in Brazelton, Georgia, at Road Atlanta. You know, it's a top five destination race course in the United States. Uh, we've been going there for about four or five years in a row now. We'll be back there next year on Mother's Day weekend. Another big event that we do is at Glen Willow, uh, up towards uh, up past up towards Barstow. I'm sorry, up near Bakersfield, Glen uh, Willow Raceway. We go there every year the week after SEMA, which is in the middle of November, and that's a really big. It's probably the largest. North American time attack competition that there is. Over 80 competitors, all from Canada, the United States, some from Mexico. Um, we've had some overseas competitors from Japan before um, that all compete to try to basically have bragging rights for the year. So tell me about also the time attack, the partnership with Motor Massive and 86 Fest to be here today. We're happy to be here because uh, working with a group like Motor Massive and 86 Fest. You know, they've got a huge vendor row and sponsor support. There's booths set up. There's a huge car show going on. They've got a stage. They do giveaways. They do a bunch of things that we don't focus on doing. We're focused on putting on a stellar time attack competition at Global Time Attack. So it's great to work with an event partner that's doing all the other things to help get more spectators here to watch this form of motorsports. All right, if fans and listeners want to show up to the next event, where is it? Next event is actually back here in the middle of October. We'll be back here at Auto Club Speedway, but we're doing the sports car sports car course, which is what we call the Roval. So okay, it's yeah. infield plus part of the straight and the Roval right there. I think it might be October 14th and 15th. We'll be here with Speed District, which is another event partner that's putting on another car show event, but it's a little bit more geared towards later model European cars. like. BMW M3s and M5s and 3 Series and whatnot and Porsche, you know, water-cooled and, you know, all that good stuff. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'm trying to stay cool out here. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much to Jason Deanhart for taking some time out of his very, very busy day to have an interview with me right outside the garage area at Autoclub Speedway. As you could probably hear, it was very, very busy. There was a car firing up right behind us, warming up. And unfortunately, I couldn't really edit the sound out, so I'm sorry. So a busy garage area. There were at least 30 race cars in the garage areas for the Global Time Attack series. And then you had a rotation between all the different car classes. 
Some cars would go out for their 15-minute session while others were being worked on in the garage area. And it was a very great atmosphere, a great motorsport enthusiast atmosphere out there. And then he also touched on the car show and the sponsor and vendor displays. It was a very good event put on by Motor Mavens and 86 Fest. They were the other organizers of the event. They had a very good car show with 86 Fest. You had rows and rows of Subarus, Toyotas, Scions, I think a few Nissans and Hondas as well. Anything in the Asian theme. And a lot of vendor displays. So many different companies came up to, to show off their products at this event. All in the Auto Club Speedway garage area, which is so, so famously known for hosting NASCAR every March. The next interview is actually of a crew member. His name is David Lamb. And he worked on Gary Castillo's Honda. And so uh, Gary Castillo at the time was, was busy, so I interviewed him. And then I also interviewed Gary Castillo, and that will play immediately after. Gary Castillo is the driver of the Honda. So here is the interview with the crew member, one of the many, many crew members at this event. What's your name and what car are you working on over here? Hey, my name is David Lim. I'm working on the Zyncraft Honda S2000. It's competing right now in uh, limited class. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, his first time out actually today doing actual full laps. Brand new? Pretty much a new build, yeah. Still working out some bugs, still uh, messing with gearing today. That's what we were doing earlier. But yeah, had a pretty good session last last session out and looking forward to the next one. Uh, Gary Castillo, yeah. uh, he, he owns a design craft fabrication in Westminster. They do a lot of custom work for, you know, all kinds of racing, all kinds of race prep, you know, something from simple cages to full tube front ends to, you know, whatever you want to do. It's actually pretty, pretty wide variety of things that they do over at Design Very cool. What kind of feedback has he been giving you from the track today? Uh, well, it being a new build, it's, it's a lot of just, you know, messing with tire pressures. We changed gearing earlier and we're playing with a tune a little bit just just to make it work for this track it's nothing too uh, nothing too sensitive right now it's all just really general uh, getting the car running you know to last the whole day that's the main thing for today how long have you been i guess this is your first time but it's, have you been racing with time attack before as a as a crew member or? this is my first time racing with time attack gary's done it in the past multiple times with different teams different crews He's, you know, driven himself. He's managed for other crews as well. You know, just all around every type of position for Time Attack Racing. For me, it's this is a brand new thing. It's my first time out at a Time Attack event actually working. So it's it's a new experience, a lot of fun, a lot of cool people around here. Yeah. Very cool, yeah. All right, yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. So what's your name? Uh, Gary Castillo. And you're from? Westminster. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And... So tell me a little bit about your car here. It's a 2001 Honda S2000 chassis, but all the parts in it are from like a, a wrecked 2004 S2000. So I just transferred everything over to this chassis and built it, turbocharged it, and uh, here I am. <laughs> nice. One of your crew members was telling me that it also can run E85. Yeah, it's currently on E85 right now. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, with the ECU we have in it, it's, you're able to reprogram it and everything, so. It's uh, AEM Infinity ECU. It has flex fuel sensor and everything, so you can go from 91 to 85 to whatever when you drive it on the street. <laughs> Very cool, and I know there are some benefits to that cooling, right? Oh yeah, like, you know, I just noticed that because the last track event that we did, it was on 91 octane, and now it's it's on 85, and you just feel a difference in power and the pickup and the cooling and everything. Like, it works really good. Any drawbacks? No, I can't say one drawback. Like, you know, oh, well, if I'm going to say anything, you got to make sure that you do the fuel lines and all that stuff the right way, filter everything the right way, and then, then it works out pretty good because the car wasn't really made for E85. So using some of the factory fuel lines and all that, it, it becomes a problem. I see, I see. How has it been handling around Autobus Speedway's infield course today? Actually, pretty good. It's a little bit loose in the rear, so I, I would say it's fun. <laughs> yeah. um, just hanging it out, but... It's the class that they kicked me into. They kicked me out of the street class and they put me in the limited class just because of a few of the things that I have on it. And so I'm not nearly competitive compared to the limited class cars, but regardless, it's, you know, I'm having fun. <laughs> How long have you been having fun with Time Attack here? 
Well, we we started doing Time Attack way back in 2003. Wow. And then we stopped for a little bit. Then we came back in 2008. Then we won the championship in unlimited class. And then kind of stagnant again. And then now it just, I think it's better to just run it in street because I own a shop and you get more guys that have street cars that want to, you know, fix them up. And you do like our old S2000, which was an unlimited class, full carbon fiber car. And it's just, there's only a few people that want to build a car like that. I see. Yeah. I see. Have you always been a fan of Time Attack or when did you find to discover it? Yeah, I've always been a fan of Time Attack when it, when it first came to US. At the same time Time Attack came to the US, we were doing a lot of, we were building a lot of drift cars and stuff like that too. But, you know, I like Time Attack because it's, it's on the clock. So literally like this is how fast your car actually went and you know where to improve on. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, for sure. All right, thank you to both David Lem and Gary Castillo for their time at the track in the garage area. Always some great insight. Whenever I get to go to talk to drivers who are in the middle of a race event, they always have great insight about track conditions, about their cars, how they're built, and what the competition is like out there. That brings me to my next interview with a driver. His name is Jason Sherrick, and he drove a Mercedes, one of the very few German cars in the event, but he had a strong showing as well. So here's Jason Sherrick. Uh, my name is Jason Sharp. Where are you from? I'm from Laguna Beach. Very good. So tell me about the only German car I've seen in this competition so far. Is that the case of the only German car? I don't know for sure, but so, um, it seems like it. Yeah, all my friends drive BMWs, so I just had to do the opposite of what my friends did. And we uh, we bought the uh, 2012 uh, C63 Coupe, and uh, running it pretty stock um, to take out my friends in BMWs. And so far, we're doing okay. I see, I see. How has it been on the track today? Uh, good, doing well, doing well. A little tight for a big heavy car like this. Uh, power isn't a huge advantage here, but um, I'm pretty happy with my time currently. I think second in my class. All right, so tell me about the building process for this Mercedes. Well, uh, Michael Essa, uh, former Drift Champion 2013, is my builder. Really? Uh, I'm your standard driver where I'm able to give the feedback of what I want the car to do. Uh, I'm not a mechanic, and he has built him along with Nathan, who is my tuner with Botec. Basically, built the car. Took about a thousand pounds out of it. Took the stock ECU out, replaced it with Botec. Took out the stock transmission and replaced it with a Hollinger six-speed sequential. I see. I see. How long have you been racing? Uh, since 2012. Very cool. Very cool. Always been a fan. I have. Yeah, I always felt since I was a little kid that I could be a race car driver. And after uh, many tickets in South Orange County, I figured it's time to keep it on track. So here I am. Alright. Where else are you planning to go this season? Well, we just got back from Atlanta, which was my first pro event. And that went pretty well. We took second overall. And then we're going to finish out the season with Time Attack this year. And then Michael Essen and I will be partnering up and doing some endurance racing in 2018. Where? Where? Uh, most likely uh, Thunder, like Laguna, and I'm not exactly sure where else. And we're probably going to start racing with POC too. So we can show those Porsche guys what a real German car can do. I see. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. You got it, man. Love the spirit there from Jason Sherrick. Here's another driver interview. It, this is my last driver interview from the track. I have a few more after that. His name is Steven Chen, and he drove a Nissan GTR in the event. And the Nissan GTR, it was built in such a way that it reminded me of the days when I used to race Nissan GTRs on Forza Motorsport, which is a video game series on Xbox. And it just reminded me about the video game because you can purchase a base car, a standard Nissan GTR, and then buy parts and build it up to whatever tuning setup works best for a racetrack. And this car reminded me so much of that, driven by Steven Chen. And here he is. Hi, my name is Noah Stein. I'm the host of the show Speedway Sounds on KCA 88.9 FM in Irvine. What's your name and where are you from? I'm Steven Chen. I'm from Chino Hills. Nice to meet you. So tell me about your Nissan GTR here. I love this car. It's, uh, it's running the GTA today at the limited all-wheel drive class. Recently just did a turbo upgrade on it. So it runs about 720 wheel horsepower right now. And it has uh, aero, good suspension, needle NTO1 tires. Yeah, it's running great. When did you start Time Attack Racing? I actually started about not quite two years. That's when I first got the GTR. When I first drove it on the street, I felt like this car is not for the street. It's for the track. Yeah. So that's when I started uh, Time Attack. How long did it take you to get it race ready here? Well, it takes step by step actually. Um, started off it was really bone stock and then first thing, uh, like everything is always tires, then with the brakes, 
I actually added on power way late. Actually, this is the first time adding so much horsepower this time. Very cool, very yeah. cool. So how is it handling on the track today? Oh, it's handling great. Uh, people are surprised how heavy this car is, but it turns so sharp. We're running a very tight configuration today, but I feel like the car is doing great. And have you always been a racing fan? Oh, yes, I have been, yeah. Very cool, very cool. How long have you been in uh, the series in particular, the okay. Global Time Attack series? Global Time Attack. Yeah, I just started uh, the first season of Global Time Attack. The first rounder was in a season Willow in February. But uh, last year, I have been doing uh, a Nissan challenge uh, provided by Corner Free Motorsports. It's uh, more of a, not a serious race, but it's still, people can still get pretty serious. But it's focused on the Nissan cars. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much to all the drivers at the track who took the time out to speak with me during their busy days. It was a very hot day. It was upwards of 93 degrees Fahrenheit. A typical Fontana July. There were a couple more interviews that I didn't get to do at the racetrack on Sunday, so I dialed them up and they were willing to, these two drivers were willing to share their thoughts on the race. The first is Andrew Barley. He drove a Toyota during the event and we just kept missing each other at the, at the event. And so when I finally got in touch with him, uh, he was willing to do the interview in studio today by phoning in. So thank you so much, Andrew, for doing that. And here is Andrew's interview. Now joining me on the phone is another driver from the Global Time Attack competition at Auto Club Speedway this past Sunday, Andrew Barley, the driver of the White Line Toyota FRS, finished fifth in the limited rear-wheel drive class. Welcome, Andrew. How you doing? Doing well, thanks. How about you? Doing good. All right, so please tell me about your Toyota, where and when you bought it, what kind of upgrades you made to it over over your time owning it. Well, it's a 2013 Scion FRS. Um, you know, I was formed in the past racing the 86 Cup, which was more of a driver's type of series, very competitive, four classes. Usually the first three classes um, are NA cars, so you really focus on, you know, the driver rather than your modifications or how big of a bank account you have. But um, with a new sponsor, White Line, coming on board as the title sponsor, we switched to Global Time Attack, which requires quite a bit of horsepower to compete. So um, we don't have that quite yet, but um, we're getting there. Actually, probably next week, two weeks, the car's going to go in to get horsepower added to it. And um, But right now the suspension is done. I mean, it's got everything you can think of from white line new max G coilovers with uh, 10K, 12K spring rates, you know, Velox carbon fiber drive shaft, you know. It's got the work done to it, you know, and we're going to turbocharge it in about two weeks to add to that horsepower. Very cool. So do you work on the car on your own, or do you have a team behind you, the white line team, or...? Um, you know what, about 90% of the time, I probably can work on it myself, um, just because I like to know the insides and outside of the car. If when White Line has time or, you know, some of the other sponsors, you know, want to use it as a marketing tool or do a DIY article, they've borrowed it. Um, the only work I do not do on it is the, you know, typically the fabrication type of things like the cage oh, yeah, and yeah. some of the aero work. I'm just not skilled enough in that area. How did the car handle yesterday on the infield road course in Fontana? You know what? Surprisingly, um, these were new spring rates, and I kind of guessed on we had the valving on their new Max G coilovers to match these spring rates, and that was 10,000, 12,000 kilos. And it handled remarkably well for not being corner-balanced yet or you know, dialed in whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. We still need to do the camber toe and just, you know, tweak with that. But the wing on the back right now was probably a little much for the horsepower level of the car. But the amount of grip I have for when we go turbo, it it was significant from what we had last year. So I'm really excited about Yeah, that, I'm real optimistic yeah. about this year. With all that you've learned from, from Sunday's race, how much potential does the car have still in it, do you think? You know, I'm very optimistic, like I said. I am going for broke, and I'm planning on winning the championship for 2018 in Global Time Attack. Um, I have no doubt that I have the skill. As long as the, everything stays together and we 
you know, increase the horsepower, you know, maybe 12, 13 pounds of boost. I don't see why we can't win it. And considering the handling capabilities of this chassis, it just seems very good. I mean, it's going to take a while to dial in the suspension, maybe the rest of 2017, just getting it right because the engineers at Toyota did a very good job at that car, and it takes a while to get it right. Mm-hmm. But once we get that right and with the horsepower, I can't wait, let's just say. Looking back on your experience with Global Time Attack, how long have you been racing with the organization? We did. Um, I did a couple exhibitions uh, last year when I was doing the 86 Cup Street Class. And I placed second overall in the 86 Cup Street Class. And I did the one at 86 Best last year. And then uh, I did another one right after that and placed first place over at Willow Springs, Big Willow track. So that's what got me um, into it a little bit more. You know, the series has a little bit uh, stronger marketing campaign and a little more more reach. Mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to go this path. And just a wider variety of the cars than the 86 Cup. You know, we're all racing the same cars in the 86 Cup. So I want to get out to just a different reach and compete against everybody, some of the bigger names too. Yeah. Are you competing in any other events this year going forward? Um, yeah, I plan on doing, but you know, that was the first time the car was running has been on the track in about since almost a year. So we literally got it running by the third session. And I think I set my fast lap on the second lap. So now, you know, I'm going to do a couple races in the 86 cup just to, you know, get my skills back and make sure they're up to par while at the same time setting up the car as much whatever series are out there you know i'm gonna try to do now that the car's done you know we're just gonna keep doing there's the track every weekend i can get on then i'm gonna so be it nice looking at time attack overall what does time attack racing mean to you and why do you compete in time attack over all other motorsports you know that's a great question and um a lot of people you know a lot of critics call it glorified qualifying and um you know i used to race scca formula ford in uh, F2000 in my younger days when I uh-huh. wanted to be a professional race car driver. And, um, you know, I was in a Van Diemen chassis five years older. And sometimes at these races that, you know, my chassis was five years old, so I wasn't competitive because of that. And, you know, spending 5000 a weekend, it's heartbreaking when you can't be competitive spending that kind of money. Yeah. So what I found out that, you know, and sometimes you'd only have two, three, four people in your class and sometimes you're the only one so getting first place wasn't that hard sometimes with time attack it allows so many more people to access the track and compete because you don't need the full roll cage you don't need the, the million expensive safety equipment for these high h you know hpd uh driving events or travel open track days so yeah. the amount of competition that comes in is just so much better you know you get all levels but you get the ones the drivers that are truly good out there no matter what that's great insight there andrew andrew how can we follow you on social media um you can follow me at social media usually i, I go by the um name gnarly barley that's the nickname i've gotten over the years but it's spelled n-a-r-l-e-y b-a-r-l-e-y and that hashtag or you know domain usually will get to me Thank you so much for calling in today on Speedway Sounds. No problem. I'm glad I enjoyed it. All right. Have a great day. You too. Joining me on the phone is the fastest driver of the day at the Auto Club Speedway on Sunday, Marcus Malonis, who drives the number 555 Subaru Impreza WRX in the street all-wheel drive class for his team, the Snail Performance Team completing a lap time of 1 minute, 11.298 seconds. So welcome, Marcus. And if there's one word to describe you, it's definitely not a snail. (laughs) Very true. So please tell me about your Impreza, where and when you bought it, and what kind of upgrades you made to it, and things like that. It is a uh, 2006 Subaru WRX. It's actually not an STI, contrary to what everybody says or thinks. Uh, and oddly enough, it's actually stayed in the snail family from the get-go. It was actually owned by Travis, who is the team principal. It was his wife's car, which they had bought brand new back in 06. And the reason they were looking to sell it is they were expecting their first child on the way and wanted mm. something with a little bit more space. 
And luckily, I was in the right place at the right time and was able to make that the purchase and add it to the stable and keep it in the family, which was even better. It's a nice low-mile chassis. I think we just finally cracked 50,000 miles on it as a whole. But the last couple thousand have been pretty hard miles, considering it's been on track. But uh, not much left to stock on it. The power plant is a IAG Performance Stage 2.5 closed-deck short block, um, stock cylinder heads, stock valve train, stock cams. We have a Honeywell Garrett GTX 3076R Generation 2 as the turbo unit. It has a Tomei equal-length header, ETS rotated turbo kit, Tomei titanium exhaust. It has IAG uh, tumbler valve, the TGV deletes, uh, injector dynamics, 2,000cc injectors, all speed flow AN fittings for the fuel system. We run two AEM pumps inside of a radium surge tank. And then we have a Dashworks in-tank uh, pump in the factory location acting as a lift pump. And the car runs on Ignite E85 ethanol, and all the boost and fuel is controlled by TurboSmart products with their fuel pressure uh, regulator, their external wastegate, and their race port blow-off valve. Wow. I'm impressed you know all the details of your car. So that leads <laughs> me to ask, do you work on the car on your own, or do you have a team behind you, or how does it work? Um, I try to turn my own wrenches when I can, but with the Snail Performance team, we're always there to help out if needed. Uh, we actually had an unfortunate engine failure at the Button Willow Pro-Am event earlier this year, mm-hmm. and it kind of left us in a bind because we were getting ready to travel across country to Road Atlanta for the first Pro event. Um, and luckily, with having Snail Performance having a shop in Northern California and then also here in Phoenix, we were able to get the uh, motor out and back in within four days running ready to go. Oh, wow, so you're based out of Phoenix, Arizona? Correct, yeah. We have one shop here in Phoenix, which does all of our part sales and then the tuning locally. And then Travis also tunes out of FW Motorsports up in Rockland, California as well. Very cool. So how did the car handle yesterday on the infield road course, especially when you set that fastest time of the day? The car actually felt really good. We have uh, man engineering type 25 inverted coilovers on there, and uh, they're custom spec'd out by Jan, one of their suspension technicians. And we've been kind of refining the car over the last year, and uh, over the weekend it felt great. Even in the heat, you know, everything performed well. It was able to take curbing nicely and and give me the traction I needed to to power out of those corners. Very nice. So how long have you been racing with Global Time Attack? We've actually, we've been around with Global since they started in 2011. I've personally been racing with them since 2013. All right. Are you competing in any other events this year going forward? We'll be finishing out the year with Global back at uh, Auto Club Speedway in October at the Pro-Am event there on the Roval, which I'm excited for because it's my first time running that configuration. And then I'll be finishing out the year with a Super Lap Battle in November, which is like the kind of big year-out, year-end closeout event for Time Attack in North America. Nice. So my last question is about Time Attack Racing itself. What does Time Attack Racing mean to you, and why is Time Attack your preference over all other motorsports? Or do you run other motorsports as well? Uh, I used to do, like, HPDE stuff, and I also hold a competition license with NASA. Uh, We used uh, Taylor, who runs the snail shop down here in Phoenix. We actually have a little Honda Challenge EG Civic that we campaigned for about a season or so until we had an engine failure and went back to post focusing on the Subarus, but Time Attack for me, I don't know, it's just a different state of mind. It's really intense because you're out there chasing that one perfect lap, and I mean, you can do it in the beginning, like I was able to yesterday. I was able to set the time early on, and it was able to hold, or sometimes you'll be there making adjustments throughout the day, and it'll come down to the final lap in the final session, you know, as the sun sets, and you'll set that fast time. It's just, it's, it's a rush. It's, you know, being focused, being really in tune with the car and everything, you know, running together seamlessly. All right, Marcus, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for calling into Speedway Sounds today. Thanks, Noah. I appreciate the time. All right, have a good day. You too. Thanks. All right, that concludes my series of interviews that I was able to get at the track and in the studio today from the Motor Massive Motorsports Social at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. We have a few minutes left in this 5 o'clock hour, so I will give you a brief rundown of the SoCal Car Calendar at SoCalCarCulture.com, previewing this weekend's events around Southern California. On Saturday the 22nd in Carlsbad, as always, see bad cars. In Chatsworth, the Saturday Social at California Car Cover. 
in Corona, Cars and Coffee Corona, in Costa Mesa, a filter exchange at the AutoZone, Garden Grove DK's Donuts, Huntington Beach Donut Derelicts, Huntington Beach as well, 356 Club Concours, in La Cañada, Early Rodders at the United Artists Theater, in Long Beach, the 63rd Annual Swap Meet, in Oceanside, the 12th Annual Thanksgiving in July, I wonder what that's about, in San Clemente, South Orange County Cars and Coffee, at the outlets at San Clemente, in Santa Barbara, the 17th Annual Woody's at the Beach, in Valencia, Coffee and Cars, in Altadena, the 7th Annual Men's Ministry Classic Car Show. And that concludes all the events on Saturday. For Sunday the 23rd in Gardena, Classic Cruisers Association at the Farmer Boys. Lakewood has hot cakes and hot rods at Glory Day Sports Grill. In Newport Beach, the Balboa Car Show at the Fun Zone. In Northridge, Classic Cars and Coffee at Western Bagel. In Seal Beach, hot rods at the beach at the Glory Day Seaside Grill. And that's actually it. That is actually it for all the events on Sunday. And that concludes this week's SoCal Car Calendar from SoCalCarCulture.com. If you want to find out more information about any of the events I just mentioned briefly, including times, addresses, flyers, you can find those at SoCalCarCulture.com. Thanks to Dave Lindsay for letting me use that car calendar this week. And that will wrap things up here on Speedway Sounds for this week. Thank you so much to all the drivers, crew members, and Global Time Attack Series Director Jason Deanhart for joining me on the show today and, and giving me time for interviews as well. Thank you also to Antonio Alvendia of Motor Mavens for the media credential. And more thanks to Matt McMurray for taking the time to produce his report and Samantha Tan Racing for the press release on this week's Anteaters and Racing update. Follow the show at Speedway Sounds, all one word, on both Facebook and Twitter for show previews and your opportunity to ask my guests a question. You're welcome to use the hashtag AnteatersAndRacing whenever we're talking about motorsport here on the UC Irvine campus. And I really hope you'll use it when following Matt McMurray this weekend at the Red Bull Ring in Austria in the European Le Mans series. Coming up next to begin the evening's music programming, The Color Spectrum with Jericho here on KUCI. I'm Noah Stein, and thank you so much for listening. Always wear a helmet and never ever drive distracted or under the influence, and please always wear your seatbelt. You're listening to Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. See you next week.